Welcome to the Radiant Visalia podcast. Join us at one of our two services, 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. Download the Church Center app or visit our website, radiantvisalia.com, to stay connected with us. All right, enjoy. just for an hour here that you don't know because i think that we can we we say different we say different things with our mouths um, but our actions are saying something different our beliefs are saying something different our lives are saying something different than what our mouths often pro- proclaim be open these next 3 weeks be teachable, uh, and be willing. Because I think it is going to take some courage to face the facts and stare at what's really going on. We've got to learn how to do this for the sake of our future. We've got to get this. We've got to get this before we move into uh, mission. Uh, we've got to get this if we expect to have an impact uh, on our cities and in our families. We've got to understand forgiveness. Um, it is not an option for you as a Christian. I think that was the scariest thing for me as I read scripture this week. Is that I kind of thought that having an unforgiving heart was an option for me. I don't, I don't necessarily like my options. I think I'll stay here. Uh, forgiveness is not an option for you as a Christian. It's a mandate. It's a sacred duty. And again, probably don't need to spend much time telling you this. You probably know this already. We need forgiveness. We need it because we've hurt others. And we need it because we've been hurt. We need it because life hurts. I know everyone, you look nice this morning. Everyone looks like they're on top of it. We, we all know and, and can confess this morning that life hurts and we are carrying around some wounds. Hurt happens between individuals. Hurt happens between races. Hurt happens between countries. Hurts and wounds have been piling up For centuries. Hurts and wounds have been piling up in your families for decades. This is why forgiveness is such an important experience for us all. Because without forgiveness we would drown in an ocean of pain, regret, shame, anger, bitterness... It's such an important experience for us all because life hurts. As we talk about, just quickly talk about the importance of forgiveness, let's read together the Lord's Prayer. Probably something, again, that you're real familiar with. Matthew 6, uh, verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. In this prayer, remember Jesus' disciples came to him and said, how should we pray? And so in this prayer, Jesus reveals how we should pray. And he reveals a bunch of things that we should ask God to do and to provide. This prayer is chocked full of things that we should ask God to do, that things that we should ask God to provide. We can ask God to lead us. We can ask God to deliver us in prayer. We can ask God to feed us and provide for us. We ask God to send his kingdom. We ask God to do what he does. Do what you do, God. Send your kingdom. But in this prayer, you'll find only one thing that we are to do, which is to forgive. The line, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, has made liars out of all of us. Because we've been saying this prayer for years. This line has made us liars. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Jesus, Jesus is saying to his disciples, when you guys are, when you guys are praying... And you're praising God because he's holy. And you're petitioning God because he wants to provide and lead for you. Make sure that you're doing this one thing. In the thick of your praise and in the thick of your petition, make sure to tell him that you are doing what he does. Make sure that you're pardoning and releasing people who don't deserve to be pardoned or released. With all your praising, with all your petitioning me for things, hey, just just tell him, make sure that you're doing what he does. That you're releasing and pardoning people who don't deserve to be released or pardoned. Forgiveness shows up six times in this passage. I think it was because Jesus knew that in talking to God, we would be talking to him about this a lot. I think Jesus understood that life hurt. I think he understood the things that we'd be going through. And so when he modeled prayer, he said, this topic of forgiveness, it's going to come up. It appears more than anything else. When you're talking with God, Jesus is saying, expect to talk about this. You'll be talking. If you're going to take this serious, and you're going to set yourself towards following Jesus into forgiveness, you're going to be talking about this a lot. And expect that God, it might be the first thing he brings up with you. Just expect it. You know, I expect to have certain conversations when I approach certain people. Right? When I approach Steve Petorky, I expect to talk about music and old vans. 
And if I approached Steve Petorky and he asked me, hey, how's your stock doing? It, it would be kind of like, well, I don't. It's not a conversation that I expect to have with Steve. And you expect to have certain conversations with certain people. Expect, when you're talking to God, to start talking about forgiveness. It's probably going to be the first thing he brings up. Hey, 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 what, what, what about this? What? I don't want to talk about that. And uh, what, what about your dad? Have you forgiven your dad? What? Come on. Expect to talk about forgiveness when you're talking to God. So, um, God is calling us to forgive, and we are bad at forgiveness. I know that the only reason that you came to those conclusions this morning so quickly is because I am an incredible expositor of God's Word. (laughs) I know that you probably came in this morning and had no idea that God was a forgiving God and that you were bad at forgiveness. I'm sure that came as news to you. That's why you pay me. So we need, um, we need some, some real solutions. And I think to get to some solid answers, we've got to discard some myths about what forgiveness is. And um, so I want to start by not talking about what forgiveness is, but by talking about what it's not. I want to talk about six things that forgiveness is not. Because we have some myths uh, we have some misconceptions about forgiveness that I think keep us from even trying. We'll talk about these. Forgiveness is not approval. Forgiveness is not approval of what they did. God never approved of our sin. God's grace is not approval of our sin. God hates sin. Let me say that from the lectern. God hates sin. No joke. God doesn't approve of our sin. Jesus, in the book of John, he forgave a woman that he found in adultery, but he didn't approve of what she was doing. He said, go, leave your life of sin. He forgave her, but he didn't approve of what was going on. And I think so many people think that grace, oh, there's grace for that. Like it's some sort of stamp of approval. That's not grace at all. Grace empowers us to do what we can't do. God didn't approve of sin in biblical times, and He doesn't approve of them. To, he doesn't approve of sin today. I, I, I was meditating on this passage because I, I want to maintain a healthy respect and fear of God's justice and forgiveness. And I stumbled across this beautiful passage uh, when David writes, "But with you." There is forgiveness. Therefore you are feared. 
What an incredible passage. But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. We can forgive what we do not approve of because that is the way that God has dealt with us. Forgiveness is not excusing what they did. It's not excusing what someone has done. We don't cover for the sins of other people and we don't make excuses for them. We don't uh, point to circumstances in an attempt to explain their behavior. Moses, he's, he's leading uh, the children of Israel. And they're a tough group to lead. They're grumbling and they're complaining the entire way. And so Moses is talking to God. He's frustrated with leading this group of complaining, uh, stiff-necked people. And God says, okay, I'll make you a deal. I'll give you another option, God says to Moses. I know they're tough. I know they're unteachable. I know they're difficult to lead. I'll wipe them out and we'll start over. I've got, if you don't like what you got, Moses, we can, we can go another route. I'll wipe this group of people out. And Moses goes, whoa, 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 whoa. And he turns to the place of intercession. And he says, God, don't do this. And he doesn't, when he goes to the place of intercession, excuse their sin. He doesn't come to the place of intercession before God and go, Hey, in all fairness, it's super hot down here. You know? In all fairness, we've been eating the same junk for days, you know? God, I mean, really, if you were down here, you, you know, he doesn't point to the circumstances and excuse their sin. He appeals to God's mercy. And Moses prays in accordance with your great love. Forgive the sin of these people. Just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. God forgave them. But he didn't excuse them. And forgiveness is not excusing someone's behavior. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. This one's huge. Because people think that if they haven't achieved reconciliation, that they have not forgiven. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two totally different things. You need one to have the other, but you can have one without the other. Forgiveness is something you can do on your own. Reconciliation takes two parties. Reconciliation takes two people being willing Reconciliation takes two people in agreement. You can, you can here, this, this may come as news to you. You can forgive someone who has not apologized. And if there are some of you out here waiting for an apology, I'll see you on the other side, I guess. You know, I mean, it's just not coming. I mean, some people are just completely unaware of the way that they've hurt you. And even if you were to bring it up with them, they'd be like, well, I don't, under, I don't even remember that. And I feel justified in what I did. You can extend forgiveness even when someone doesn't apologize. To achieve uh, reconciliation, you need willingness from both people. And I don't know if we often get that. 
Forgiveness is always possible. Reconciliation is not always possible. This passage struck me as um, I was thinking about reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5.19 tells us that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So what we find out in the first part of 2 Corinthians 5.19 is that God was reconciling the world to himself. And then Paul exhorts us and says, be reconciled to God. Reconciliation doesn't happen until both parties agree. So God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ. And then Paul is exhorting the other party, be reconciled to God. It takes two to be reconciled. It takes one to forgive. Forgiveness is not denying what they did. Forgiveness is not uh, refusing to take the offense seriously. Have you ever experienced that when you come to someone and you're starting to say you're sorry? And they're like, oh, it's no big deal. Not a big thing. Don't sweat it. Forgiveness is not denying what someone has done. In fact, I would say that you can't forgive until you take very serious what has been done. Until you face the facts. Don't sweat it. It's not a big deal. No, it's a huge deal. Sin is a huge deal to God. Jesus Christ died for sin. It's that serious. And forgiveness is not not taking sin serious. That's not what forgiveness is. Christ's, Christ's sacrificial death proves how serious the problem of sin is. Sin leads to death. Right now, if there is sin in your life, it is leading you into death. Right now, if there is unforgiveness in your heart towards someone, it will lead to death in that relationship. It's super serious. Forgiveness is not forgetting. This is a, one of the great Christian myths. We forgive and we forget. No, we don't. We don't. And some people appeal to a passage in Isaiah and say, well, God forgives and forgets. Really, let's look at it together. In Isaiah, it says, God forgives our sins and remembers them no more. And, and many of us have been taught that this means that God literally erases them from memory. That if you were to ask God for his forgiveness and then ask him a second time, he would be confused. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't want to worship that guy. I don't. don't. We have some huge... If that's true, if that's what Isaiah meant, and that's true, we have some huge problems... The biggest one being that you know things that God doesn't. What in the world? You know stories in the Bible that God has forgot. He's forgotten his Bible. Oh, I just totally forgot about that. I forgot David did that. Wow, I'm glad you remembered, Travis. Travis. 
Does God forget the way we forget when we lose our keys? Is that what Scripture means? When the Bible says that God will remember our sins no more, it means that He no longer responds to us in light of those sins. It means that they no longer derail our relationship with Him. To say that God uh, forgets is to say that He feels about us the way He would if He had forgotten. He feels about us as if He'd forgotten, but He's not forgotten. When the Bible speaks of God remembering something, it doesn't mean that, uh, like when we remember something, it's like a lost thought pops into our head. I remembered. When the Bible says that God remembers, that's not what it means. It doesn't mean that a lost thought pops into God's head. Like it says of Noah. Noah was in the ark for five months and God remembered him. Oh! Whoa! I left the hose on. You know? You know that feeling when you're laying in your living room and you realize you left the hose on, you know? Whoa! It's been eight hours, you know? You start tromping into your backyard and it's like knee high. That's not what it means when it says that God remembered Noah. It means that God renewed his work in Noah's life. It means that he renews his work with a person or a situation at hand. It's not a lost thought that pops into his head. Oh, I forgot about them. Shoot. He renews his work with a person or a situation at hand when he remembers. This, this one's super important. It really is. Because when the call to forgive morphs into a call to forget, many of us opt out. I can't do that. I mean, some of you have had horrific things happen to you. And you're struggling to forget the conversations, the memories, the smells. Now, do I think once we've forgiven that God can start to take care of some of those memories? Absolutely. But don't understand that forgiving is not forgetting. That may be part of what comes with forgiving, and I pray that it does. But we don't forgive and forget, typically. And neither does God. Forgiveness is not neglecting justice. Forgiveness is not removing all the consequences. Again, when God forgives us, we're totally forgiven. He doesn't remove all the consequences, though. There are some things that we have to walk out. You know this. You've been forgiven by God, but He has not removed all the consequences from what you did or what was done to you. Listen to me. You can forgive someone, and then you can testify against them in court. You can forgive somebody, and then you can call the police. You can Forgiveness is not a never-ending line of second chances. Mm. 
You may need to pay your debt to society. You may need, society might need to be protected from you if you're a rapist or a murderer or a thief. Forgiveness is not neglecting justice. So what is it? What is forgiveness? The primary word that Jesus used for forgiveness in the Greek communicates a sense of releasing something closely held or trapped. Forgiveness is a release of something closely held or trapped. In light of this, read these passages. And release us, our debts, as we also have released our debtors. For if you release other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also release you. But if you do not release others from their sins, your Father will not release your sins. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, Mark says, release them so that your Father in heaven may release you from your sins. A release of something tightly held or trapped. So what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is choosing to keep no record of wrongs. That sounds like forgetting. I think it's a little bit different because why do we why do we keep a record of wrongs? Why do we keep anything on record? It's so that we can use it. If we know that we're not going to need something, we dispose of it. When we know that we're going to need something, we keep it. We file it. What's hilarious is, as I thought about this, I don't know where anything is. I don't file anything. We just had to register Avery for, I think part of it was that we moved three times in a year. I think we're a little bit better than, than, than we are. Yeah? Yeah, a little bit better than we are right now. Um, But we went to look for a birth certificate, and I didn't have it. And it was like, man, where is this stuff, you know? Something that we use on a daily basis, I know where that's at. But stuff that we don't use on a daily basis, we don't file anything. I'm not very organized, except with keeping records of wrongs. I'm like a CPA of sorts. That's just bull. When people say to me, oh, I'm not real organized, you know. No, you are. You have filed these things away and you know exactly where they're at. You can access them whenever you want to and you use them against people. That's why you file them. So that you can access them and you can wave them in someone's face. So that you can access them and justify your distance from someone. We file these things away. And they're orderly, it's alphabetized, you know. Nothing's been forgotten. Isaiah tells us, because I I do, I think we we hold on uh, to offenses so that we can point the finger. And thinking about this, in Isaiah 58, he says that there is a blessing for those who stop pointing the finger. And what I wanted to tell you this morning is that there is a blessing for you if you'll stop pointing the finger. There is a blessing for you if you stop pointing the finger. There is a blessing for you if you stop pointing the finger. You stop using these things and waving them around. Holding on to these offenses. 
so as to get the upper hand. There's a blessing for you if you release those things. I think I know why Jesus told Peter not to keep score. You remember this story? Peter's like, should I forgive him like seven times? And Jesus says, you know, is it 70 times seven? Anyways, I don't think that Jesus really meant 70 times seven. I think he was using a hyperbole. He was purposely exaggerating to get a point across. So what he says to Peter is, don't keep score, dude. Don't keep score. Forgiveness is stopping Keeping to score. I got stuck. And I know why. I know why Jesus told Peter not to keep score. Because when it comes to keeping a tally on life's hurts and injustices and conflicts, we've got some super creative math. It's amazing math. When it comes to keep, keeping score of hurts, we've got incredible, these, these uh, you know, goodwill hunting skills. I mean, just really creative. We have a, an amazing ability to undercount our own junk and to multiply the mistakes of others. That's how it goes in our head. That's what happens when you harbor something and you dwell on it. It just grows in the dark. I think, yeah, I know why he told Peter, hey, don't keep score, man. That math is going to get funny in your head. You watch. You'll undercount your own junk and you'll multiply the sins of others. That's how you'll count. It's like watching Avery count with Remy. One for you, two for me, two for you, three for me. All the while, Remy as a two-year-old is just kind of staring at her thinking, I can't wait to go to preschool and learn how to count. This doesn't look right, you know? And as a dad, it drives me nuts. I hate when Avery does that to Remy. And our dad hates it too. One for you, two for me, two for you, three for me. Don't keep score. Your math is bunk. This happens all the time when people come to me and say, yeah, we left this church and now we're going to go to Radiant. And then they start to tell me the story of why they left. And I know the pastor of the church that they left. And I'm thinking to myself, that didn't happen. That grew in the dark, man. Yeah, well, they told me I couldn't be on a worship team. I I probably believe that, you know. And then they took my saxophone and they took all the reeds. You know, it just... There's just... There's just parts of it that you're thinking... They're talking to you and you're thinking to yourself, I doubt that happened. I really doubt that that happened. Just like you should doubt when I come to you and start telling you about what happened. Um, forgiveness is refusing to punish. You've got two options when you get hurt. Only two. You can play two chords. You've got only two options. And don't think that you're at the exception. You've got two options when you've been wounded. You can forgive or you can get bitter. That's what you got. That's what you're working with here. You're not, you're not going to invent some new way of responding to life's hurts. 
Bitterness, we're, we're told in Ephesians, leads to malice. Malice is this. You hurt me, now I'm going to hurt you. If bitterness takes root in your heart, it will end in malice. It'll end in, in saying things like, you hurt me, now you're going to pay. And forgiveness is refusing to punish. When we forgive, we give up the natural desire to see a person get what's coming to them. You know this, right? You know how you delight in evil. You know how when you hear about something and you're saying even with your mouth like, oh, that's too bad. I'm sorry that happened to them. But inside you're rejoicing in evil. Our nature cannot bear the thought of someone getting away with what they've done. It like eats at us. I can't believe they would get away with that. We want vengeance. We want their just punishment. And forgiveness turns vengeance over to God. Forgiveness turns vengeance over to God, asking Him to do the honors in His perfect timing. And I think in regards to this idea of forgiveness being a refusal to punish, punish, you should ask yourself, how much of uh, what I am doing right now, how much of what I am about is an attempt to punish? Forgiveness is being merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. The Bible tells us two things about God that seem to be a paradox. It says that He's merciful and He's just. How can a just God be merciful? How can a merciful God be just? And the answer is the gospel. The answer is why we're sitting here today. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. Isaiah says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Because God punished Jesus for our sins, he can be true to himself and he can be truly merciful to us. He has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We're told often at church to be godly. There are certain things about God that we can expect to be. There are certain things about God that we should not expect to be. He's all-powerful. When we say to you that you should be godly, we don't mean that you should be all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. When I say be like God, I don't mean be everywhere at one time. We understand this. There are certain Things about God that we can't be. But there are certain things about God that we can be. And scripture says this. Be merciful as your father in heaven has been merciful. This is the one of the things that we can be. We can do this. You're not all powerful. You're not omniscient. But you can be merciful as your father in heaven is merciful. True forgiveness is a hard issue. Number four. True forgiveness is not lip service. If it doesn't take place in the heart, it's worthless. 
We know this because most of us probably have kids or have been around kids. Say you're sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Then we try different words. Tell them you forgive them. I forgive you. You know, it's just like, God, what are we doing? This doesn't even work. If you forgive them, I'll give you something. You know, it's just like, <laughs> we know this. If it doesn't come from your heart, it just doesn't even count. In a famous parable that we're going to read next week, Jesus says these words, that the Father will not forgive you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. How do you forgive from the heart? Um, How do you know that it's more than lip service? We'll talk about that in the weeks to come. But know that forgiveness is an issue of the heart. Fifth is that forgiveness is the absence of bitterness. Bitterness, uh, as I said earlier, is the only other option. If, you, if you're here and you're like, I don't want to forgive, this is your other option by default. There aren't more options than milk and orange juice in the lunch line. If you say you don't want milk, then you're getting orange juice. There are two options. You can forgive or you can grow bitter. Bitterness, I want, I want, to, I want to explain this because I think in some, some ways we don't fully understand why we're so bitter about certain things. Bitterness never has to do with the magnitude of the offense. It has to do with the proximity of the offense. Like if a, a stranger breaks into my home and steals it, you know, steals everything I got, you know, I mean, it's like, all right, whatever, you know. Call my insurance agent, Marissa Avila, plug. But, <laughs> uh, but if you break into my house and steal my stuff, there's a good chance I'm going to be pretty bitter. I have a hard time letting, why would they do that to me after everything I've done for them? I served them, loved them. Why would they do what they did? It never has to do with the magnitude. It has to do with the proximity. That's why most of your bitterness lies towards a husband, a wife, a business partner, a son, a daughter, a father, a mother, a best friend. It's like we can't overcome this bitterness because they even did small things. Not, not, even, not even as big or severe a things as other people have done. But the bitterness has to do with the proximity of the offense, not the magnitude of the offense. You've probably even thought to yourself, why have I been able to forgive this guy who did this, but I can't forgive this guy who did this? It's because bitterness has to do with proximity, not magnitude. Bitterness heads up a list of things that grieve the Holy Spirit. Heads it up. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice. This is the way it works. There's hurt. We become bitter. We stew on that bitterness. We let that bitterness take root. And then it says, what's next? Wrath and anger. We just get super ticked. That's the next step. We get really angry. And then our anger pushes us to clamor and slander. We start talking about it. We can't even contain it anymore. We start leaking. And we don't leak in really overt ways. We leak in these kind of like, yeah, be praying for him. He really did me wrong. You know, we leak in these really subtle ways, but the slander grows more and more intense. Bitterness 
leads to wrath and anger. Anger and wrath lead to slammer, slander and clamor. And clamor leads to malice, which is what I said earlier. You hurt me, now you're going to pay. We can be sure that there's no bitterness when there is no desire to get even or punish the offender. The last thing that true forgiveness is, is ongoing. It's not a one-time event. It's a process. And any of you who are here and have forgiven, you understand this. There are those who experience at times a significant one-time event. But for the most part, forgiveness is a process. Keep at it. When the hurt comes again, when the bitterness shows itself again, when painful memories flood back in, uh, when you're reliving the conversation, forgive again. It's ongoing. It's a process. Don't feel like because it's not going away, you start to think, well, maybe I haven't done it. Maybe none of this even works anyways. Maybe it's not true forgiveness. Maybe this is impossible. No, it is. Keep forgiving. Keep at it. It's a process. It is not a one-time event. It's ongoing. And the spring clean is on. Because I know that some of you are going, wow. I, I mean, it's, you think that nothing, nothing's there. If you really actually sat down and took the time to take inventory of what's really going on and what's really motivating your actions, you would find some wounds and you would find some infection You would find some bitterness. You would find some unforgiveness. And I'm going to ask you to follow Jesus into forgiveness. I'll explain why. And we'll try to explain how. The truth is is that the how comes really quick when you're willing to let go. It's really not so much about the method as much as it is about um, your willingness and your participation. I want to lead the church, because some of you are ready. Some of you feel like coming to the altar right now and doing, doing business with God. And that's fine. You can come. Some of you are not ready to forgive. And for those who aren't ready, and just for the church in general, I want to lead you in a prayer of permission. Some of you aren't ready to forgive, but I want to pray with you today that God would change your heart about the person that has offended you or wounded you. That you would pray a prayer of permission and say, God, change my heart about this event and about this person. So let's bow our heads together in prayer. God, some of us are ready to forgive from our hearts right now. Some of us are are ready to do business with you. Some of us are not And I want to pray a simple prayer, God, and say we want to give you permission right now. Open your heart and say, God, I give you permission. Here we go again. God, I give you permission to change the way I feel about a person or a situation. Lord, we confess that we don't really want to forgive. We don't really want to release. God, I give you permission to change the way I feel. Make me want to forgive. 
Amen. We're going to open the table up for communion as we close. And what I would like you to do this morning is to remember Jesus. Because we were told to do this in remembrance of Him. Church, do this this morning. Take the broken body of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus shed for you. And do this in remembrance of Him. Remember, church, Jesus died for sins He never committed to forgive a group of people that didn't deserve to be forgiven. Jesus Christ died for sins He never committed to forgive a group of people that didn't deserve to be forgiven. Reflect on Jesus. There's no way we're going to get through this without Him. Without experiencing His forgiveness. Without experiencing His grace. Without letting Him empower us. Some of you are sitting there going, I cannot forgive my dad. I cannot forgive my mom. I can't do this. Jesus can walk you through this. He's done it. This is how He rolls. This is what He does. Look to Jesus. I know what your circumstances look like. And in some instances, I don't. You've been through stuff that I don't have any clue uh, what that's like. Look to Jesus. He does. He's sympathetic to what's going on. Thanks for listening. We want to be a resource for you as you walk with Jesus. So please connect with us at radiantbicelia.com. Until next time. Great.